2 Kings chapter 6 and, uh, and verse 1. The Bible says, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take, thee, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. There's the miracle. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee, and he put out his hand and took it. And just for a minute, tonight I want to preach on this thought. Um, when it goes wrong while you're trying to do right. You're trying to do right and it all goes wrong. And uh, I think we can all uh, identify with that just a little bit tonight. And I think we see that here in our text and I want to just encourage us a little bit tonight. All right, Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for your word, for your goodness. Lord, thank you for the good spirit in here, the good choir singing, special singing. Lord, thank you for my church family. So thankful to just have a place to come and bring my family and we can gather around the word of God and worship you with the people of God. And Lord, I give you glory for it. And I pray that you touch me tonight. Help me, Lord. Help me, God, to be an encouragement, a blessing to your people that are here tonight. God, I pray that you get all the praise, get all the honor, get all the glory for all that's done. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, in our text tonight, we're introduced once again to this group of people called the Sons of the Prophets. And there's really a lot more, there's a lot about them that we don't know. There's probably more about them that we don't know than what we do know. We're kind of left to fill in a few blanks, I guess, a little bit, just to, you know, kind of as we think about, you know, Bible college or young preachers in seminary or something like that. We kind of uh, project that onto what's going on here. I don't know how true that is, but it seems to be, these sons of the prophets, it seems to be some type of a multi-site uh, training place is what it is. You'll find Elisha kind of traveled around between these places, Jordan and Bethel and Jericho and all these places where, where, uh, where these uh, uh, sons of the prophets were at. And we've, I believe they're different groups of people, and I, could, I think I could prove that from the Word of God, where they're different groups in different places. We see them uh, in the previous chapter, or maybe in chapter 4, I think it is. They were sitting at the feet of Elisha, and they were listening. You remember one one out and he got the wild gourds and the supper and all that. Well, while that was going on, they were sitting at the feet of Elisha. They're learning. They're being trained. Um, I got questions about it. What are they being trained to do? You know, I, I don't know. You know, prophecy is kind of a gift. I mean, you either have it or you don't. I, I, I don't know. But I know it's some kind of a 
some kind of a training center, if you will. And here it is, these sons of the prophets. And, and Elisha's tutoring them, he's training them, he's raising them up uh, for some type of a, of a ministry. And we see that there's a request in verse number 2. Uh, and the reason for the request is in verse number 1. The request is that they can go down by the river Jordan and cut down some trees so that they could build a, a bigger, I guess, a dormitory, if you will. They said in verse number 1 that the place where we dwell, that would, yeah, that would imply where they live, like a dormitory type of a situation, that it is too straight for us. The word straight uh, has the idea of too small, straight or narrow. Sometimes we use that word straight and narrow. It's not S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, straight. It's straight as far as like in a straight. You are, you are hemmed in. So I think that implies in some way that God is blessing this ministry. God is blessing the ministry of Elisha. There are young men, and there are more young men than what they can even house and what they can hold. They're in the dormitory, and so uh, they have an idea, and they say, you know what, let's go and let's cut down some trees, and let's build a bigger facility, and let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's build a bigger uh, dorm for the, uh, for the sons of the prophets. And I'm going to tell you, that's exciting times, isn't it? That really is. When, when you run out of room, and you need to build, a bigger building, man, that's great. I, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get to experience that in my ministry or not, but I think it would be exciting, you know, to fill up a building. This is a really big building, you know. I don't know if we'll ever fill it up unless we just start having a bunch of kids. Now, I've done my part, okay. I, listen, I've more than done my part, all right? And, uh, or maybe if we just all got bigger, you know, and took up more space on the pews. I don't know. Maybe that would help. Or maybe we could do both. I don't know. Let's just we'll pray about it. I don't know. But that would be exciting, wouldn't it? I know some of y'all have been through that. This church and its history has been through that. Obviously, you can tell by looking around. And Man, that would, that's exciting. Man, things are going well. The blessings of God are on the place. And, and, uh, and it's time to build a bigger, uh, a bigger building and... and uh, and so these are exciting times, these are great times, and they get down there by the river and they're cutting down these trees and they're excited about the days that are ahead. And these, these hopeful times turned into horrific times for one of, these, uh, one of these preacher boys, if you will, if I can call them that. One of these sons of the prophets. Uh, because the axe head... The axe that he's using, it falls apart, and the, and the most important part of the axe is the blade, right? If you don't have the, if you don't have the head on it, with the sharp part, uh, you're not going to need anything done. And then uh, without that, all you're doing is taking a stick and hitting another bigger stick with it. That's all you're doing. Uh, it's just two pieces of wood. Uh, uh, there's no no progress. There's no no changing. No no uh, uh, you're not 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 uh, 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 cutting down anything. There's no uh, no uh, no advancement going on at all. It's the most important part of the axe. You gotta have the axe head, and the most important part falls into the river. And even beyond that, he's even more not just because he's gonna miss out on being able to help with the project that's going on, but we find that he cries out to Elisha in verse number 5 because it was borrowed. He said, alas, master, and it tells us why he's so upset, because it was borrowed. It was not his. He had lost something that belonged to somebody else. Now, he seems very worried about it, so I'm just wondering if maybe when it got loaned to him, the guy that loaned him the axe head, you know, gave him one of them looks, you know, like, hey, I know you, and I know you're a little uh, forgetful sometimes, 
sometimes, and I know you're a little, you know, clumsy just a little bit, and this isn't in the Bible, all right. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I know how you are. Listen, you better make sure if you don't come back with this axe, if you lose it, if you mess it up, if you break it in any way, you're in trouble. Now, I don't know if that was told to him or not, but it just seems from his concern and from his worry about it, it seems like he feels like he's in a big mess. He feels like he is in trouble. And then also, I read one writer said this, and I thought this was interesting. I wouldn't have known this otherwise. And reading somebody that knows a little bit more about history than I do, they said during this time that that iron was actually a precious metal in, in the sense that uh, there wasn't a lot of iron everywhere. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't find axes just anywhere and everywhere. It was an expensive piece of metal. And here's what he said. This writer said that him losing this axe head would be equivalent to one of us maybe borrowing somebody's car and then wrecking it. It would be that kind of a concern, wrecking a borrowed car. Not just like you misplaced a hammer or a tool or something like that, you know, something that's easily replaceable, but this is something that is precious. It is something that is valuable. It's something that is not easily replaceable in the day and hour that they are living in. And I'm not sure if you... How many of you have ever wrecked a car? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever wrecked a car that did not belong to you? Raise your hand. There's just a little bit uh, more, you know, concern about that, just a little bit. I actually wrecked a car one time that did not belong to me. I damaged a car that did not belong to me, and I damaged a motorcycle that did not belong to me at the same time, and I never rode either one. I never rode on the motorcycle, and I never rode inside the car, but I wrecked both of them at the same time. I sure did. And uh, you know what? I was a little concerned about that. Uh, somebody was trying to show me how, you know, I'm not a motorcycle kind of guy. Or it's a little dirty. It wasn't a motorcycle. I don't want you to think Harley Davidson or anything. Think more of like a Kawasaki, all right, or something like that. Just a little, just a little dirt bike, Brother Thad, you know, wasn't even as big as that stuff y'all got over there, but, you know, just a little, a little mini bike or something. I don't know what it was, but uh, somebody said, oh, preacher, we were having it. It was when I pastored in Georgia. We were having a, a, a fishing day outside of one of our members' house. He had a big lake, and we were out there, and they had a dirt bike, and, they, and some of the kids were looking, oh, preacher, you need to get on this. You need to ride this. I'm like, no, I don't think I do. You know, you don't, you don't know who you're talking to, all right? I don't do four-wheelers or dirt bikes and go-karts and all that. You don't want me on any of that stuff. Oh, no, no, no. Come on, come on. Let's try it out. And so I'm standing next to the bike, and they're show- And somehow, I don't know what I did. I'm not sure how it happened. I still, I couldn't tell you right now, but somehow I put that thing. I hadn't even sat on it yet. I'm holding the handlebars, standing next to it. And, uh, and somehow I popped that thing into gear before I got on it, and it took off with me holding on to the handle, the, the, the side of the handle that like revs the engine, you know. And I'm like that, and it takes off, and it takes, I don't let go. I go with it. And, and as I'm going with it, it hits a car, and then it just goes up the side of that car. Up the side of that car. And... Uh, so I, I hurt the motorcycle and I hurt the guy's car. And by the way, you know what he was saying? He, the man who had the car, he was saying, Alas, uh, it's borrowed. It wasn't even his car. It was a rental car. And uh, it didn't even belong to him. So we were all in a mess. And, uh, you know, I don't know whatever happened to that. I never had to pay a bill or do anything. I'm guessing some kind person in the church took care of it for me. And uh, I tried to ask about it, and somebody just said, well, it's taken care of. So I didn't have any money anyway, so I just left it at that, you know. 
and took it. And I, I just thought, you know what? We've all learned a lesson today. And uh, all of us have. Everybody, we'll just leave it right there at that. But, but when it's not yours and you mess up something that belongs to somebody else, it's just, it's a little, it's a little different, isn't it? It's just, it's, it's a little different level of concern. And his day started out good, hopeful. Man, we're going to do something for God. And man, God's blessing and things are going well. And then, uh, by the time he gets here, his day has turned, uh, to, uh, to worry. And this young man probably lacked the fun to cover a loss. He was just in a mess. And I was reminded when I read this of this truth that you can be in the right place. I think he was. And you can be doing good things and even doing the right thing. And I think he was. And still things will go wrong sometimes. Just because you are in the will of God And just because you are doing the work of God, listen to me, that does not exempt you from trouble. I wish it did. I wish it did. But that's just not the way that this thing works. I thought about this man. I thought about his striving was right. He, he, what he was working for, what he, what he desired, the growth of the college, his goals were right. I thought about his service was right. He was willing to participate. He wasn't sitting on the sidelines. He was involved in the work of God. He wasn't a spectator. He was a participator. He wasn't sitting on the sidelines telling everybody else how they were doing wrong man, and what they, how they could do better and he could do better than them. No, he... He, he got an axe and he's, he's, he's a, you know, going out a tree trying to get this beam down so that they might build, a, build a, something for the Lord. And, and he's serving. He's in the middle of serving God. I thought about how his submission was right. Uh, he, along with these other students, they were submissive to the will of their master. Uh, he was in his master's will because before they went, before they did anything, they had this great plan. But before they went to cut, even cut down one tree, they went to Elisha and they said, hey, give us give us." permission to do this. And then they, they, they weren't satisfied with just permission from Elisha. They wanted the presence of Elisha to go with it. We want you to go. We, they were in, he was in his master's presence. He was doing his master's will. He wasn't doing anything outside of what Elisha... By the way, this is actually a, a, a progressive thing in the life of these sons of the prophets. It wasn't that long ago, during the beginning of Elisha's ministry, that they wouldn't listen to anything Elisha had to say. You remember that? They wanted to go... Put, make a, put a search committee together and go try to find Elijah. Maybe God dropped him on a mountain somewhere, in a valley somewhere. You know, like God's not able to you know, finish what he starts, and so we got to go help him out. And Elisha said what? No, don't go. And you know what? They wouldn't listen to him. They're in a different place now, aren't they? Maybe this is it's a new group or something. I don't know. But whatever it is, he's respectful. He, he, he is, uh, he's submissive. He's doing the will of his master in the presence of his master. Uh, his uh, striving was right. His service was right. His submission was right. His sincerity was right. Listen, this man didn't mean to mess up that axe. He didn't mean to lose the axe. He was just trying to help. He, he wasn't trying to lose somebody's property. Obviously, he, he didn't plan this. He wasn't being careless. 
Silas. He was just doing what you do with an axe. You swing it. That's what you do. Sometimes, you know, you swing it back like that. He had no idea any of that was going to happen or no doubt he would have been just a little bit more careful. His heart was in the right place. But can I tell you, you can have all those things and you can have it all lined up and you can have it all just right and you can be in the will of God. Your heart can be in the right place. You can be trying to do something for God. You can, I mean, just have the right desire and the right goals and and be sincere and it's not for self-glory and it's not for vain glory and self-conceit and and anything. You can have the right motives in your heart and sometimes even right in the middle of doing a work for God with all the right motives, things mess up. Things mess up. And that's where this guy's at. You can be doing everything right and things go wrong. Can I tell you something? Listen to me tonight. Problems are not reliable indicators that you are in the wrong place or doing the wrong thing. And some people are so sensitive to any kind of problems at all that as soon as one little bump in the road comes up, they think, well, we must be out of the will of God. Not necessarily. Sometimes there are divine storms, aren't there? Sometimes there are divine valleys. Sometimes there are divine problems. There are divine bumps in the road. Listen, just because there's a problem, listen, when, you know, sometimes when there's a, a problem in the home, you know, the husband or wife, like, man, you know what, we just, we're just going to give up and maybe, maybe I married the wrong person or I did it. I'm going to tell you something. If y'all got married, you married to the right person now. Say amen. Wrong person. It's too late for that wrong person kind of talk. Amen. It's the right person now. Amen. That's who you need to be married to. But sometimes people think they have any little problem. It's almost like the will of God is always supposed to be just supremely smooth and easy. That's not even biblical. That's not, that's not even in the Bible. Listen, you know, what that, you know what that is? That's pagan is what that is. That's pagan thinking. It really is. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. We don't believe... And when I say we, I mean, I'm talking about any Bible believers that we have in here. I'm included in that group. I'm a Bible believer. And if you include yourself in that group, then we're a we, all right? We don't believe in karma. I don't even like using that word like joking around. I just, you know, and I'm not mad if, you know, I'm not you're saying all the preachers so... Well, I don't know. You can say whatever you want. I don't like using that word, all right? I don't like using that You know why? Because that's pagan is what that is. That, that, that's heathen is what that is. That's not, that's not Bible. And karma is you do good things and good things will happen to you. And if bad things happen to you, that means you've done bad things. That means you're in a bad place. I mean, now listen, that's not Bible at all. That's not Bible. You know, you, know what's the, you know what's Bible? Bible is like the story of Old Testament Joseph where he was a young man that, that there's not one recorded sin. In the, now, I'm not saying he was sinless. I'm just saying it's not recorded in the Bible. He is portrayed in the Bible as somebody that was honest and somebody that was just and somebody that always did the right thing. But can you, can you see the life of Joseph was marked by trouble? After trouble, after struggle, after struggle. Listen, if you were to look at Joseph, somebody might look at him and say, man, that boy, he's under the judgment of God. Man, unless I'm telling you something, man, he man, ain't nothing going right in his life. Man, his brothers didn't even like him. And then, and then he gets sold into slavery. And, and then, you know what? He finds himself in jail and he gets forgot about in jail. And you look at him and it just looks like he's going down and down and down and down. But you know what the Bible lets us know over and over and over again in the life of Joseph? It says, but the Lord was with him. 
But the Lord was with them. But the Lord was with them. But the Lord was with them. Can I tell you something? Sometimes it's just that way. Sometimes you can go down. Sometimes you can go backwards. Sometimes you can just, it feels like you're messing everything up and you feel like everything's a mess. But that don't mean the Lord's not with you. And that don't mean the Lord's not in it. You can't judge based on that. What do we judge things on? We judge based on the Bible. Faith in that word. Have I done right? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Listen, am I right with God? Do I have a clear conscience? Am I doing things according to the word of God? And can I tell you, if you can answer yes to those questions, it doesn't matter what the consequences are. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. you got to know by faith, although I don't feel it, and although it don't seem like it, by faith I know I'm in the right spot because, Lord, I'm honoring your word. And I'm doing things according to your word. No matter what the circumstances are, listen, right is always right. He's in the right place. He's doing the right thing. And just because his axe broke, and just because he lost that axe head, that does not mean that he was not in the will of God. or He was under the judgment of God in some way. We don't believe in karma. We believe in the providence of God. We believe in the purposes of God. We believe in the plan of God. We believe in the Word of God. and We submit ourselves and we follow the Bible even when it feels like everything's falling apart around us. And that's exactly what's going on. Things are falling apart in his life, aren't they? Literally. He's trying to do right, but things go terribly wrong. There are people, even in this room, I'm sure, that you're thinking about giving up, doing right. Or you're thinking about getting bitter at God. God, why did you let my axe fall apart? Or I'm just going, man, if this is the way it's going to be, I'm trying to do something for God, I'm trying to do work for God, and just everything falls apart. This is the way it's going to be. Fine, I quit and I'm done. We don't see that in his life, do we? Let me just say a few things about this man and some things that, that he had that was good, some good things, even when things were falling apart. Trying to do right, things falling apart, things going wrong. But he had some good things going for him. Let me give you just three and I'll be done. Number one, I want to say this. He had, he had some good problems. <laughs> he had, that's almost an oxymoron, isn't it? Good problems. Well, sometimes we say that, though, don't we? We say, well, that's a good problem to have. I don't know. I don't know many things you can really say that about. I don't know any. I mean, there, I guess there are some things that are a good problem to have. Seems like around here, I was thinking around here, man, we've had the, we've had the our AC issues around here just about to drive me crazy. Man, we had, we had one breakdown and, and then another one broke down and then we fixed one and had three and then two more broke down and we only got one. Remember, we were sweating it out in here in the sweat lodge, you know, in here. And then we got two more fixed and so we got three. And now the one in the foyers broke down. Where was I going with that? Oh, good problems to have. <laughs> I think I just wanted to say that out loud. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. Man, good. That, don't seem, don't, that problem don't seem good. But then I thought, you know what? That is a good problem. You know why it's a good problem? Because we're trying to cool this building so we can have church in here. And I thought, you know what? 
If I wasn't in church, if I wasn't a pastor, if I didn't care, I wouldn't be worried about the AC at the church. I'm glad. You know what? I, I just try, I'm just, listen, I'm trying to find something to praise God for. Y'all help me out, all right? <laughs> I, I'm trying my best to find something to thank God for right now. Listen, <laughs> isn't it a blessing that we're worried about the AC? We could be a pagan lost on our way to hell, drive by this place and not even care what the AC situation is. I'm glad I care about it. It means God's given me a church to love. God's given me a place to love. God's given me a place to look after. God's given me a, a church. You know what? You know what the AC is in this place? It's a good problem to have. Amen. And I start thinking, I'm glad it's my problem to have. I'm glad somebody else ain't pastoring this church. I'm glad He lets me have a place to serve Him. I'm glad He lets me have a place to, place to come and, and bring my family and bring my kids where they can get in on the presence of God and the power of God and sit under the Word of God. I thank God. Listen, I'm glad it's my problem. I, I'm thankful. There are some good problems to have. And while it's true that everybody has problems, whether you're in church or not, whether you love God or not, whether you serve God or not, everybody has problems. You understand that, right? But there are some problems that are unique to the service of God. Sometimes that, that problem-free life, it, it just means that, 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 that they're, not trying, they're not trying to live for God. Somebody says, well, I don't have to worry about anything of that church. All that stuff, you know, you know worrying about this at church, and you got to deal with this, and you got to deal with that, and you got to worry about that. Man, I, you know what? I just pack up my boat, and I go to the lake on Sunday. And they think, man, it's stuff they ain't got to worry about. And it's stuff they... You know what that just means? That, that just simply means that they're not even trying to live for God. God. They're not, they don't worry about it. Just the simple fact that there's things at the church house that we worry about, that burdens us, that bothers us, that concerns us. You know what that lets me know? That lets me know that at least we're trying to serve God. And that's a good problem. This man lost his accent. You know, a critic might sit back and say, well, you know what, if you never even tried, if y'all just been content with that little dormitory you got over there, you wouldn't have to worry about losing an axe head. There's some old backslid, mossy back, you know, deacon's wife somewhere. No offense to any deacon's wife in here. I just heard another preacher say that. It sounded cool. <laughs> I've been wanting to say that. Uh, and sitting around somewhere and just folding their arms and thinking, you know, I'm on day. Man, they got this, and, and, and if they would just be content. They, I don't know why them preacher boys think they need a bigger dormitory anyway, and I don't know why they and I don't know why they're doing anything. Listen, I'd rather be down there by the river with an axe head at the bottom of the river than sit back with that cold, callous, critical heart any day of the week. I don't want to get cold on God. I'm glad there are some problems I have and they are directly related to serving God. I'd rather have problems in the will of God. I'd rather have problems serving God than I would sit on the couch and the only problem I had was wondering what TV dinner I was going to make on a Sunday night. Amen. Problem free just means you're missing out on the blessings of God. You're missing out on the victories. Listen, it just simply means that you're going to be able to see God work a miracle and God do something in your life. Some old backslider point out, well, my axe is still in. My axe is still put together. I still got it all together. Well, you hadn't picked up that axe and done anything with it in 24 years. Amen. If you, you know what happens when you use an axe and try to do something? Sometimes it breaks. It's part of it. 
I'd rather be doing something for God and it all fall apart than just sit around and feel like I have it all together. Amen. Man, I'm enjoying it. Some of this ain't even in my notes, and I'm enjoying it. Amen. I'm thinking of things. I'm studying up here. Y'all leave me alone. Y'all know what it's like to feel burnt out sometimes. I'm sure you do. Just feel burnt out. No doubt about it. And the pro- but I thought about it. You know what? There's actually burnout can actually be a good problem. You know what that meant? That meant, hey, I was trying to shine for Jesus. I was trying to... That means I was trying to be on fire for God. I'm not always going to be burnt out. I don't really necessarily feel burnt out tonight. I feel pretty good, but I know what it's like. I don't like church hurt. Do you like church hurt? I don't like church hurt. I don't like when I get hurt. And I, I'm going to tell you, I know, it, but it's, it's a part of it. But you know what that means? It means you're plugged in trying to serve somewhere, trying to do something for God. There are problems that they're painful but they're good problems to have. They're good problems to have. It means you're trying to do something for God. Listen, if you don't ever want to get hurt, and if you, don't want, to, if you want everybody to like you and nobody to be mad at you and everybody just to think, well, listen, don't do anything for God, don't say anything for God, don't attempt anything for God, just shut your mouth, go home, close the blinds, and just sell ice cream for a living. Because everybody likes the ice cream guy, you know. But if, if, if you want to do something for God, there are going to be some problems that are associated with it. And the people that have tried to avoid all the problems, they are the people that miss out on all the blessings. And one day at the judgment seat of God, it's not going to be a noble thing. It's not going to be an honorable thing to be able to stand before God and say, Lord, I avoided all of the problems. No, it's going to be those that were faithful in spite of the problems. They'll be getting the rewards. They'll have something to lay at the feet of Jesus. Problems can be good. He had some good problems. I'll tell you what else he did. He had a good partner, didn't he? Because he looked, he, as soon as he lost his accent, you know what he did? He was able to cry out, verse number 5, Alas, Master! You know what that meant? I mean, he was close by. Elisha, they begged him to go on this trip with him. And good thing he went. Verse 3, he said, I will go. And he went with them. Verse 4, so he went with them. And they came to Jordan and they cut down wood. They, that means, I guess that means Elisha was part of it. Elisha was over there swinging an axe with all of them. And can I tell you something? Listen, if you're gonna, if things are gonna go wrong, I'd rather be in the presence of God. I'd rather be close to God when they go wrong as to be far away from them when, it, when problems come. Problems are going to come either way. You might as well get close to God. You might as well be close to God when they do come. You know why? That way you got somebody around you, somebody near you that cares about you. You know what's amazing? You know one of the most unique things about this miracle in the Word of God is? You know one of the most unique things about it is that it is the, it is the, 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 the most trivial miracle in the, in the ministry of Elisha. An axe head for one preacher boy. Every other miracle in the life of Elisha deals with serious problems like famine, death, uh, defeat for an army. He deals with families. He deals with kings. He deals with captains. uh, He deals with armies. 
He's dealing with dead people and diseased people and, and hungry people, things that like, like real problems. Losing your axe head is not a big deal to an army. Losing his axe head was not a threat to the national security of the nation of Israel. Losing his axe head was not like your boy dying on your lap like the other woman experienced. It's just a preacher boy lost a tool that he borrowed. But from what I can see in this text, Elisha didn't give any less concern for him than he did for a mama who lost a boy or a group of preachers that needed some lunch or armies that were about to be defeated because they didn't have anything to drink. Or, or, or a man that was captain of one of the mightiest armies in the entire world that needed to be healed of his leprosy because now kings are involved and political relationships are involved. Now, and listen, this is just an accent. This is of no consequence. This is just a little thing. Listen, so what? You lose an accent. Listen, just go and own up to it. Tell the guy you lost it and you should have made sure it was on there better. But it was important to this boy and because it was important to him, it was important to Elisha. And Elisha performed a miracle just because this boy was worried about having to pay back the money for this axe head. Little thing. I'm glad what matters to me, it matters to him. Aren't you glad we serve a compassionate God? Listen, I'm going to tell you, my life probably don't mean much to a lot of people in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of fundamentalism and evangelicalism in America and politics in America. Listen, our little church, my little ministry, my little life, it's not much, but I'm glad. Listen, when things fall apart, I'm glad I'm in His presence. I have a partner next to me, and He cares about what I'm going through. And He cares about what you're going through. And he's not only compassionate, but thank God he's capable. He can make, he can make, oh man, God, you know what he does? He makes heavy things light. <laughs> thank God. Thank God he makes heavy things light. It's like, like he's a burden bearer, ain't he? Can he take things? You ever got heavy things in your life and it's just so heavy and it just weighs down and it just sinks all the way to the bottom? But I'm glad we have a God in heaven who can make heavy things float to the top. And the iron is swimming around. I don't know if it's doing the backstroke or the butterfly or what it's doing, but it swam is what it said. It swam all the way to the top. Boop! Like a little, like one of them... What do you call that? I don't fish, but them old things. That, a bob? Who, bob? Is that who it is? Bobble? Bobber? <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to Ben. <laughs> Little Benny. <laughs> Bobby, 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 Bobby. <laughs> Makes it float. Boop! There it is. This heavy object is swam to the surface. And I'm glad we have a God that's able to do that. And listen, if my world's going to fall apart, if everything's going to fall apart, I'd rather it fall apart in His presence. I, you know why? Listen, because your world's going to fall apart at some point. Your world will fall apart at some point. And you know why it's good to let it fall apart, clo stay close to God? Because that way you, ain't got it. you don't have far to call. When your world falls apart, He's right there. This man... He had some good problems. And he had a, had a good partner, didn't he, that was cutting trees with him. 
I think I'll just, even though things get tough and even though things get heavy sometimes, and even though things fall apart, I think I'll just, I think I'll just stay with him. That's what I think I'm going to do. I don't know what you're going to do, but I think I'm just going to stay with him. I think I'm just going to keep swinging for Jesus. Amen. He's close by. He had good, good problems. He had a good partner. And I'll say this and I'm done. He had, he had good patience. Because the Bible says that he was able to reach out. The iron swing, verse 7, Therefore said he, Elisha is the one talking, he said, take it up to thee. Now look what it says, and he put out his hand. That's all he did. He was, just, he was right there. He, he stayed close by even after his world fell apart. Even after everything fell apart, he stayed right there. He was so close that all he had to do was just reach out. Just grab it. But what's amazing to me was this. Here's what I thought about it. I don't know the time frame here. It doesn't tell us. But it says that Elisha, I'm looking for the verse 6. And the man of God said, where fell it? And he showed him the place. Now look what it says. Here's what Elisha did. Now this is one of the mysterious things that Elisha did. He cut down a stick. Now, you say, why did he cut down a stick and cast it in thither? So, well, that stands for the cross. So that stands for this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe just, I guess it just depends on who's preaching it. Don't say that. It just says he cut down a stick. I guess you can make it mean whatever you want to, I guess, when you're preaching it. Amen. <laughs> but it's, it, it kind of goes along with the, some of the other miracles that Elisha's done, hasn't he? Remember when the waters of Jericho were poisonous? You know what he did? He said, Give me some salt. Why salt? I don't know. He just said, give me some salt. Put it in a new, a new cruise. Don't get an old one. Don't get a used one. Don't get a dirty one. Brand new. Get a new cruise, new little bottle. Put some salt in it. Bring it to me. And he just took the salt and just, just put it in the water. That wasn't science. That was, that was God. But God used that salt. Um, and then I thought, well, the, 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 remember the, the, the pottage was all poisonous. You remember that? They put the wild gourds in there. And, and, they, and, and Elijah said, Get me some meal. Let's take. Let's get some meal. And he put the meal in the in the pot, and it healed the it healed the soup, healed the pottage, and made it made it healthy uh, for everybody. He used that. Here he uses a stick. I don't know. I don't know why he used this and then used that and used that. But I do know this: that whatever it is, it takes time to get these things. It takes time to acquire these things. In this in this instance. Uh, the Bible says that he cut down a stick. He didn't ask somebody else to do it like he did with the salt or I think the meal. I have to go back and look about that meal thing. But, uh, but, but maybe at least with the salt, somebody else went and got it for him. He did it. And he cut it down. He didn't snap off a stick. He didn't pick one up off the ground. He went and cut it down. He took a tool and cut a stick, a branch, or maybe a little tree or something. It could have, it, that, that word can mean several different things. But whatever it is, that axe head is gone. And that man is worried. And in the middle of all of it, Elisha's taking time to cut down a stick. I don't know, if I was this boy, I think I'd be like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. I mean, this axe, I mean the, maybe the river's flowing, it's going to be gone, you know. I want this thing to get fixed quick. I want, it, I want this thing, hopefully, at least before the guy I borrowed it from, from finds out. This thing's broke, and I've lost his axe head. 
But what's amazing is, is he stayed right by Elisha in so much that when that axe head came up, he was right there at it. He just said, bloop. He just reached his hand in and grabbed it out of the river. And I thought, I don't know how long he had to wait. Maybe it was only three minutes. Maybe it was 30 minutes. Maybe it was three hours. I don't know. But however long it was, I just know this, that his problem wasn't solved immediately. I'll tell you, God doesn't put everything back just immediately. God doesn't solve everything just immediately. Sometimes it takes time, doesn't it? You know what he did? He stayed. He stayed. Even when things fell apart. It's always worth sticking around, isn't it? No pun intended on the sticking around part. It always is worth sticking around. Because God's going to move. God's going God's to help. God's going to do something. And, and I want to be, I want to stick around for the miracle. See God put it all back together. See God do something. That's why, that's why you don't run when problems come. You tell God about it, and then you just wait. And there's problems right now that I've prayed. I say, Lord, God, help. Do something. And I don't, I mean, the axe head's not floating just yet. But maybe God's just, maybe God's just getting a stick. I don't know. Maybe it takes a little time. But I know this, that if I, if I quit, if I wander off, if I give up, if I get mad, if I get bitter, I'm going to miss out on the, on the miracle. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to miss out on the miracle. Sometimes, Miss Maddie, you can come around. Sometimes things just go wrong, don't they? Trying to do right. Lord, I'm, I, I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to, maybe some of you feel like, I, I've tried to raise, I, listen, I've raised my kids in church. I, I've tried, to, I try to do everything. No, no parent is perfect, but you're thinking, man, I, I'm trying. And Lord, it's just falling apart right now. Listen, just remember, he's close by. Stay close to him. Stay close. He cares about you. And just wait. Just wait around on and see what God will do. So that way, you know, my marriage, I'm just trying, you know, I feel like I'm doing everything right. And it's just, it's just everything keeps falling apart. Things are going wrong. Just wait. Just wait. It's that way in church sometimes, ain't it? Lord, we're trying to do right. And it just seems like, man, just trouble and struggles. Listen, church, just wait. Just wait. Just wait. Just be patient. I don't know what God, I wonder, I wonder if he looked over and, I think, uh, Elisha, my, the axe head's down here. What are you doing over there? What, what does a stick have to do with an axe? What does that have to do with that? Maybe he thought, well, he's going to fish it out of the river or something. I don't know. Well, what are you doing? Sometimes God, uh, things, and it just doesn't make sense. I mean, can't you just abracadabra, you know, make, the, make it come up? Elisha, you raise people from the dead. You can raise an axe head from the... Just, just get this thing going. But God, you know, it's cliche, right? God moves in mysterious ways. I've never read that verse in the Bible, but 
It's true. Some people move in mysterious ways. <laughs> Still trying to figure some people out. I don't know what God's doing, but I want to stick around for the miracle. I want to stick around for the solution. I want to be so close that I can just, I don't have to come for I can just reach out. Reach out and touch it. Reach out and put my hand on it. We've got to stay patient. We've got to stay faithful when we're frustrated. We've got to make sure our expectations are right. If you expect no problems, you're going to be blown away. If serving God was easy, everybody would do it. Most of you people that are out of church and bitter at God and mad, I'm tell you something. It's people that, that they did not anticipate the problems that come along with serving God, but it's just part of it. It's part of it. If you're going to try to do something for God like this boy's doing, sometimes things fall apart. You just got to stay faithful and trust God. Amen. All right, let's stand together.